Welcome to the second episode of the Mysterium Metaverse podcast. My name is Evan McFarland, and today I'm joined with Yaro, our head of product. So, Yaro, thank you very much. I know your schedule is packed, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, for those who don't know, Yaro is pretty much our rock over at Mysterium. Not too much goes on uh, that we don't need his help with, and he really has a bird eye view. Today's episode, I wanted to discuss things that haven't come up, um, at least haven't been actively spoken about in the community. And it covers, I guess, two major topics. One is everything that's going on with mainnet, um, past, present, and future. And then the vision for Mysterium 2.0, which Yaro is the pioneer of. So with that, um, we'll go into a rolling start. Yaro, it's really great to have you on here. I just want to start the first question. Uh, some things that everyone's kind of worrying about and having to do with mainnet. So I've, uh, I've been following Mysterium for a while. If you look at the GitHub, there's four years at least of constant progress. And the minimum viable product for the DVPN came out you know, years ago. So what has been going on, if you could sum it up um, in these past years, and why the why the wait? First of all, well, welcome everyone. Nice to be on this show, and thank you, Evan, for organizing it. Finally, we have a better way to maybe share what's in our heads. We are, you know, like geeks who like to work, and sometimes it's hard to spread the information, but we try to improve that. And I hope this show will help us to show, uh, to, to give more information for community, why we are doing that, what the reasoning for one or, or another things, some things about censorships we, which we are fighting against, and also technical vision, product vision of Mysterium Network. And answering to your question, uh, like we, we were a first DVPN project. Um, all the rest uh, projects, even if though some of them went to mainnet earlier than we, but they started later. So we really had to research a lot. We, we needed to find a way which we believe and which is um, good for users. We wanted to be open source. We wanted to be open from the day one. We experimented a lot. So there were some failures, some learnings, and then new, new ways of implementing things. So that took quite a while for us, but we are quite happy with current learnings and results. Yeah, I, I would add to that just from what I've learned about Mysterium. Much of the features, um, and it has to do with the commitment to openness and permissionless that the team has, but the micropayment system is the first of its kind in the DVPN space. And that sort of took a yeah. Yeah, you should understand that um, DVPNs are hard in two ways. First way, like normal VPN companies are run on data center uh, computers, which has external IP addresses. They are okay to be connected to easily. And we are operating in local networks. So that's people's computers, people's internal networks. And we have 
so-called like routers, switches, Wi-Fi uh, stations, what's not between real internet and your computer. So it's not a server to which you can connect. And you have two of those, like consumer applications under some holes, uh, uh, walls, providers, like exit nodes are behind some walls. And we need to find a way how they will start talking to each other. And this is in the engineering problem we had to solve which wasn't uh, uh, solved before. Maybe only torrent clients were working in that way, but you know, like in torrent environment, you have 20 different seeders and if five of them doesn't work for you, you're okay. You're just finding new one, new one. In our case, you kind of need to increase the success of that. So this was one thing we were solving. It's uh, called not hole punching. We took quite a big time uh, for engineering that. Another problem was micropayments. And that was really surprising to us that we, like when founders uh, proposed a white paper, they didn't expect it, that like scalability problem of blockchains will be not solved in a year two or three. We have like four years already and it's still not, like maybe these days it's much better but you know, like in 2019, when, for example, I joined as a blockchain architect, uh, I really tried to solve this problem. And like I, we analyzed everything what was in the market and everything was in beta, alpha, test nets, ideas. People were talking about uh, plasma uh, that, that, that days. Plasma is not a thing anymore. Uh, there was even no white papers for rollups, no, no concept of rollups that time. Uh, so, you know, payment channel based solutions, which we are using was in very, like very beginning ways. We, we tried to use some uh, external projects, but they refactored their solution like two or three times already. So we needed to build not only like networking, this system and DVPN solution, but we also needed to build our own micropayment solution, lightweight version of it because it's adapted for our environment. And we tried to make it like not to spend that much time on engineering of that, but it st still took a, a while for us mm, to yeah. solve. Now we have ability to have a lot of microtransactions, which are off-chain, not touching blockchain, really like we, we could do payments each 10 seconds. Uh, so like a lot of payments per second in our Yeah. Network. And so what those, what those two things do is, well, it, all the DVPN solutions, ours, and what made it so hard was making it unblockable and routed through residential um, nodes so you don't have to trust anyone. And then the second component that we're going to see in mainnet now is this, is this pay as you go. So no monthly subscriptions and down to the second of connections you're paying for. So you're not over underpaying guaranteed. Um, now I'm going to ask you about node runners in a little bit, but mainnet's coming close. Could you talk about some of the things that are going to change um, some of the features that we should get excited about for now? Um one of the features we'd like to have before releasing mainnet, uh, it's uh, called smart 
connect or smart reconnect. At the moment in our network, people still need to choose uh, a exact exit nodes to which you're connecting. That's not user-friendly because technically what you, you don't care about exact exit node. You just care, I want to connect to some residential type of uh, exit node which has decent speed in, uh, let's say, Canada. And that's all you care about. And then uh, you're connecting to that node and you're going to internet via that uh, exit node. But what happens if that person is just switching off his computer because uh, you are in Russia or Nigeria and he's in Canada, he's going to sleep. Uh, so, so session is just broken. So what, we, uh, what is our solution? We will enable kill switch, so, uh, which means that uh, for a couple of seconds, you will don't have internet. And then we, we will find another similar exit node, which is up and running and connecting to it. So person, like technically with just the browsing or watching uh, some uh, video, you will not feel that at all because uh, that will be small gap. Uh, the video will be cached and that's normal thing. Uh, uh, but uh, under the hood, the, the new connection to another uh, exit node will be done. Uh, so that's something we are working on. Another very uh, interesting thing is that uh, mm, this will also help our exit nodes because now some of them are earning quite significant amount of uh, bounties and other people are not getting traffic at all. With Smart Reconnect, it will be spread much more equally. And then, uh, then is uh, mainnet. <laughs> there were there were talks of fiat payment uh, coming out. Yeah. So uh, at Mysterium, we have a couple of sub teams as well. We wanted to make more independent teams. So our DVPN app team uh, is also working on fiat payment integration. At the moment, people are able to top up their account with Bitcoin or some other crypto like Ethereum, DAI tokens, Litecoin uh, via CoinGate integration. Uh, but, you know, like, uh, not everyone on this planet still has crypto and is able to use it. So the guys are working on adding fat payments. And it's also very important before mainnet because on mainnet, we will be not able to give free tokens for everyone, every new user. So users will need to use either affiliate codes, either top up their accounts. So top up should be not an issue for people. Whenever you have, should work. Under the hood, we will convert that into missed token. Yeah. I, I think you're almost selling yourself short. Like the fiat payment in an application layer Web3 project, I personally don't know of any, but I know our team is close and I don't know any others that could do it. Just that's another thing. It took some, so much time for this. Go the ahead. good for this fiat integration will be that uh, we are not planning to ask for your email or store that credit cards or so uh, even with fiat integration it, it's not that uh, like a big uh, privacy violation uh, so we will try to do as much as we can so we would know almost nothing about our payers about our users yeah yeah and so so that's mainnet on the user end that the, the 
much of it will remain the same, but a lot of the features will just make it easier for general non-crypto people to use. But node runners, big changes are, are, are coming for them. Um, could you talk us, so you, uh, the load is going to be balanced thanks to Smart Reconnect. Hopefully that'll distribute the rewards a little bit more evenly. But how about um, withdrawals? And because now people are going to be getting paid missed, real missed um, through these payment channels. I would say that our consumers of like Mysterium will not feel that big change on mainnet because not, we are mainnet in terms of networking features. They are using and getting real value already, but exit nodes will feel big difference uh, because at the moment we have to limit bounty program. It's based once in a month. We have some limitations of amount of exit nodes are earning. Why? Because otherwise, like, otherwise there are uh, attack vectors. That's a text test tokens. You could get somewhere for free and then like, convert that to real uh, currency. So we, we, we needed to make those limitations. But on mainnet, the payment system itself and tokenomics will protect against such attack vectors. So there will be no such limitations. So exit node runners, if they earned 500 missed per month, and we have people who are earning even 1,000 missed per month uh, already, they will be able to settle or withdraw that funds into their wallet, all they earn. Also, there will be no time limitation. If you want to do that once in a half a year, you do that once in a half a year. If you want to do that once in a day, you can do that each day. So we have no control on that. It's also uh, uh, only exit nodes, private key is needed to withdraw those funds. We, ha we have no access to that private keys. So we are not able to stop you from withdrawing funds. We are not able to slow down them. We are not able to limit amounts of them. So for, for exit node runners, that's a big deal changer. I think that some of them will earn quite significant money uh, after mainnet release. And to uh, bring Polygon into this, so I, I know this, it's an, it works with Ethereum, you could withdraw to Ethereum, but that's still kind of expensive. And you guys have been working extensively with Polygon. So what does that look like? And what does that mean to a uh, node runner? That's also an important thing. I just recently had a talk on Telegram with one user in India who says, look guys, I just got your bounty, which is worth of like 20 or so uh, dollars. I wanted to convert that into fiat, but my problem is that to send that money into exchange costs me $15 because of Ethereum transaction fees. So what to do? Uh, on mainnet, we are going to use uh, Polygon. So people who would like to withdraw into Polygon wallets and then swap via quick swap and use uh, taxes which are directly connected to Polygon will pay significantly low fees. Also, if you really would like to withdraw your mist into Ethereum, you will not need to go to official Polygon bridge which, uh, like, uh, which is quite slow and expensive. Uh, our Hermes payment system has own fast bridge built in. 
So exit node runner will be able to withdraw directly into Ethereum mainnet. And this will be much more, much faster, just one transaction on like Ethereum blockchain. Uh, and it will cost you three times less of transaction fees than using Polygon Bridge. <laughs> wow. And, and that I, I won't even ask how that was done. I assume it was part of the payment channels. Um, that's what you focus on. It, it gets pretty deep. Um, and that'll be discussed at a, at a later time. Now I'm going to jump without using up too much time to the question that everyone wants to hear. And you, you sort of see a, like the laundry list of things that have to be done before mainnet. We discussed some of the bigger ones, but then there's a lot of more technical bug fixes. Um, to the best of your ability, ability, could you answer the question when mainnet? That's uh, one of the hardest questions. Actually, I was almost sure last year that we will release mainnet till end of December, 2020. And I failed my predictions that time. So it's really hard for me to do <laughs> predictions, you know. Uh, but this time I'm much more convenient that we should be releasing mainnet early Q4 uh, as early as we could. Unfortunately, we are not able to do that with a certain, uh, let's say, security and stability insurance till end of September. We need a little bit more time for testings and uh, um, audits. Um, but I would, I would bet for first part of Q4. All right. All right. I'm going to try to hold you to that. We'll be tracking the progress of uh, <laughs> all the list of things that need to be done. But very exciting stuff. Now, you, you've um, you've been in Mysterium a, a while, and I know uh, when you explained to me what Mist has been and what Mist is going to be, you compared it to this iteration of Mist thus far to four years of development being the the demo use case. So we have the DVPN app, um, but now they're sort of branching out in, into the various use cases where you realize it's need needed. Um, B2B and then as well as as a, as a tool for applications. When we started Mysterium, it was started as DVPN uh, project. And naturally as a DVPN, so your kind of initial focus is consumer application for end users. And you expect that you just go download the DVPN application. You have your VPN as a end consumer and you have exit nodes. And we needed to check this use case. And uh, our website, current website, is really talking about that. You, you kind of go to there. The first button you see is download the app, start using it. But uh, recently, uh, we announced that there is a mysteriumvpn.com website, which is purely about this DVPN app. And there is a, like, question, why would you have the two websites about the same thing? And the reason because that is that after mainnet release, Mysterium is going to be a little bit more than just DVPN. First of all, uh, we don't want to be the only DVPN app builders. You know already that we have 
this partner uh, portals project. Soon there will be some announcements about more partners who are planning or integrating Mysterium. And uh, so that's a platform for building your own DVPN application. But like if looking what's after mainnet, uh, so it's Mysterium becomes more than just a VPN or DVPN platform. Uh, you know, like when Ethereum started, they kind of thought, let's build what we can with their that time uh, knowledge. And let's see if people really need smart contracts. Like nobody was even thinking about DeFi use cases, like that word didn't exist at all. And then in like 2016, like ICOs appears, 2017 was that time, then it's shifted to something else. And it became obvious that yes, the smart contracts are useful for people and there is a reason. And the whole focus of core team is to solve the biggest problem for Ethereum. It's a scalability problem. In some sense, on, on Mysterium, we also took similar path when we first had like just assumption that DVPNs are needed. And the first kind of big um, issue which DVPNs could solve is privacy, like increasing of privacy. So DVPNs don't have locks uh, of your browsing. Yeah? So that's uh, one big thing uh, DVPNs could solve. Uh, but while building, uh, we, we got much more use cases. We got uh, requests from community members who started thinking about different use cases. Also our team members uh, started brainstorming different ways how we could use this network. And are there uh, something more than just VPNs, DVPNs? And apparently we got uh, a lot of kind of um, proofs that yes, VPN is not only use case for Mysterium network. And uh, technically, uh, like if looking to Mysterium 2.0, that's a platform which is permissionless platform to overcome censorship. What does it mean permissionless? It means that you don't need to ask our permission to start building on top of it. And apparently that's a feature of web-free projects. And that's very needed and useful for people because uh, then you don't have risk that Mysterium team will, will kill your app because Mysterium team is building own up like that. You know, Apple is doing that things and others, we will be not able to do that because of permissionless nature. And that is really, really awesome. Uh, and I think that this permissionless thing is very, very important. Yeah. And it was something hidden. So we started looking into that direction and we understood that to have this platform working, we need to solve a couple of pr uh, problems. First, we need good tokenomics, which works much better than using like than now, which has additional uh, use cases. That's why we announced uh, you know, tokenomics 2.0, which is part of Mysterium network. 
censorship resistance and decentralization. So we are in our road, like step by step going till the full decentralization. Now we have decentralized a network of nodes, uh, but we still are running a couple of important services. But Mysterium 2.0 is going more and more to that direction because we need to be really the uh, censorship resistance platform with decentralized components because of censorship resistance and with some additional components to avoid some hard use cases. There are still ways to like uh, fight against the Mysterium. So it's a cat and mouse game and we would like to be much better on it. And then we understood that like there is big use case for businesses. Uh, I'd like to maybe mention for people that at the moment, third of our traffic uh, of our network is already used not by consumer applications, but by B2B partners. Among those B2B partners, you have at least five different centralized VPNs who are using Mysterium exit nodes for streaming traffic. You know, like Hulu, Hotstar, Disney+, Plus, Netflix, different, different problems. Like people are living in Pakistan, but they are from India and they would like to look on Bollywood movies uh, or uh, somebody like I myself, I am Lithuanian. I'm traveling to uh, Latvia because my wife is from there and I'm not able to watch speech of my president during New Year's Eve. And there are many, many limitations like that. So streaming case is very important. You are from uh, Argentina, you're going to Europe, you would like to watch your football games. And all this censorship is not only governmental, it's also like corporations, some strange rules, sometimes even bugs. And, um, and this is something VPNs are selling these days. And we are the platform for other VPNs. So they already using Mysterium for part of the traffic, not all, but part. Also, there are a lot of cases when so-called scraping. Do you know like when some search engine is trying to uh, connect to different websites and give you a search, good search results? They need to look to the same website, how it looks from New York, how it looks from Mexico, how it looks from London, because uh, uh, like you can get different results. And if search should be localized or something like that, they also need to connect from different IP addresses, different locations. And apparently this scraping use case is even bigger than VPN use case. And if we would have like to bet uh, where will be Mysterium, I would say that this will be even more growing part of Mysterium. And we are having also at least a couple of uh, B2B partners who are using Mysterium for this case already and who will be starting using it more and more in the future. Uh, but it's not all. You know, like there are centralized <laughs> places of uh, internet yet. So data centers are banning some websites because of political reasons. Just remember that time when uh, some region in Spain wanted to have some independency or at least some uh, more in like more uh, self-governance. And then Spanish government banned their website they didn't want it to give them possibility to vote. And those people needed to run uh, IPFS based 
websites, so those would be spread everywhere. So those would be not kicked out of data centers. And those political reasons are everywhere. And there are many people who have one opinion or another. And, you know, like in Nigeria, somebody told about president something bad on Twitter. President is banning Twitter. Like it's all the, like all around the globe. So we, we see that DNS is very important. And there are a lot of decentralized DNS projects. I think that that's one of the things we will be working at Mysterium, maybe with partners, maybe ourselves, but that's a big thing. You should be have better DNS resolves. You we, we would like to uh, have integration with decentralized DNS uh, platforms. Uh, so you connect to Mysterium, you don't need special browser plugins. It should resolve you the result of website. IPFS hosting. We have payment system built in. So if you would like to have guaranteed result of website, you can pay for that for some exit node, which is having copy of your IPFS things. And that's just a couple of ideas we are looking uh, into Mysterium 2.0, which will be not released in one day. Mysterium 2.0, that's <laughs> a lot of things we will be releasing batch by batch, maybe introducing tokenomics, then adding I services like that. But we have huge plans after mainnet. I think that was a fantastic unpacking. Uh, there's, there's so much there. And how I would sum it up is that you know, Mysterium has spent the last few years building a DVPN app and seeing the market response. And the market res response was censorship has gone up. Enterprise needs it. Application developers need it. You know, it's not just users anymore. And then uh, rippling out from there, that was a great summary of all the use cases. And there are each ones that we could spend hours talking about, but that was a great summary right there. Um, so the Mysterium 2.0 vision will come to fruition. Hopefully will be the ones that articulate it. And this podcast will be the place where people who are affected by the type of censorship that we're trying to deal with will have a place to speak. Um, going beyond that, I just want to address one more thing because I think it's important for people to understand. But Mysterium talks about this concept of it, it enforces privacy for the user, but not anonymity. It's not designed for anonymity. And that's a confusing concept, I'll be honest. I still don't understand what the difference is at, like as a user um, and what technology makes something anonymous or not. I know there's always a trail, but could you talk about how Mysterium focuses on privacy, but is not designed for anonymity at the same time? Um, I think that even with privacy, I need to, to extend this topic as well. Uh, you know, many VPNs are trying to cheat by saying, just connect to VPN and you would get privacy. I don't want to lie. That's not the goal. We want to build permissionless network. Uh, and we want to be correct about that. Your privacy of VPN is about not showing to end website or to your ISP what you're sending through the wire. Yeah? So who you are, what is your real IP address? So Google would not know who is your IP address. But privacy is not only about IP address. Privacy 
is about also, like they have now much more sophisticated uh, things. They are um, looking on your browser, your operating systems, they're leaving cookies in your browser. They are analyzing and making like fingerprinting of who you are. So, so IP address in that fingerprinting part is just only one small thing. And if you want a privacy, you should think much more about your browser's setup. Like, is your browser uh, really blocking ads? It should be. Is your browser is really blocking cookies? It should be. Anonymous browsing tabs, I would say it's a privacy browsing uh, tabs, should be used when you want more privacy, less fingerprinting, because then you're kind of helping to lose track yeah. Uh, so even privacy is something where uh, DVPN is just adding uh, additional piece. And the problem with VPNs is that those are just uh, like, a, like ISP could see your traffic, VPN is hiding your traffic from ISP, but then if it's centralized, then they know even more than your ISP because they know what you do in your mobile device, what you do at home, at work, everywhere. And if they would like to get to sell that to advertising companies or some, you know, like they would like to be in China, they could sell, like provide that to Chinese government if needed. And here is a privacy problem, you know? Uh, so they could attach it to your email, to like not your IP address because you can be changing, you are in cafe, at home, at work, but they can attach it to your email even, to your payment information. Then they know all your devices where you're at and they can see all the, not maybe data you're sending, but they know the domain names you're visiting at least. So they can give some picture about you. And in DVPN case, we are not able to have centralized database of such, especially with smart reconnect, people will be using all the time different exit nodes. So even if somebody would like to on exit node level collect something, they would have only a fraction of that information, which is not really useful. And in this case, we really increasing your privacy. But okay, what is anonymity? Anonymity, it's when you like if you're anonymous, you are getting big privacy level. That's why if you're using an anonymous things, you by default are getting privacy, but not vice versa. Uh, if you're using even Tor network, but you're logging into Google account with your real name or to Facebook, are you anonymous? I would say no, because you already logged into the Facebook. You're maybe <laughs> up to some another website where you kind of logging with Facebook Connect, which knows a lot of about you. So, you know, like anonymity is much harder even topic than privacy. And it's not only about IP address. Also, to be honest, what you really need usually, it's a privacy. So nobody would sell your data, would not manipulate you. Or if you're a journalist, uh, you kind of, uh, in Russia, you try to say something about Russian government. And if you will use, uh, let's say, Polish IP address for that, Poland will never 
disclose uh, your information to Russian government, at least in current political situation. Uh, so, but if you are doing something where Inter Interpol could be involved, terrorism. So kind of anonymity, real anonymity, which Tor provides, it's really useful for people who are doing things which could be tracked by in, like Interpol. Yeah? When you're doing terrorist attack, then um, different governments could talk to each other because they want to resolve that case. Yeah? And then in our case, uh, that's true. We don't have onion routing. So technically, if France, um, a French exit node would help something to somebody, uh, like if somebody is going through French exit node and planning terrorist attack, he, he could be tracked. Not easily. It would be really hard because that would mean that Interpol would need to get this police, police request. It would need to go to exit node to find that uh, person. That exit node should have coded tracking because we don't have that in exit node, but at least like an IP address who connected to him. Um, then you, you need to go to, let's say, some Middle East country, then, then talk to Middle East government. It's really complicated, but it's possible. We don't try to solve this problem. We don't try to give you extreme anonymity because it's not needed in 99.99% .99 of time. It's adding much more risk for our exit node runners. And we would like to protect those as well. We are fighting censorship problem, not an anonymity problem. We really recommend everyone to use privacy-oriented browsers, such as Brave, if you need easy to use browser. Maybe it's not ideally set up for privacy, but it will increase your privacy level. Firefox has privacy, a lot of privacy features. So we encourage you to use always encrypted protocols. Never go to website which is not HTTPS. HTTP websites are dangerous. Somebody could really attack through, uh, there are some attack vectors when they could show you information, you think that you're opening this website, but actually it's not that website. That's why banks always using HTTPS and almost whole internet is now moved. 10 years ago, that wasn't true. And VPNs could give you some encryption level of security. These days, security is provided by your browser, by websites, by encrypted chat message, uh, protocols. That's why Telegram or Signal are much better chatting protocols than those who don't use uh, encryption, peer-to-peer -peer encryption. That's why you always go to HTTPS websites because then browser will protect you. And then even, you know, like ISP, if you would use without VPN, would not able to read what's in those requests. So yeah, censorship, yeah. the problem we could solve with the, like, and which needs to be solved. Privacy, purity is solved by another tools and we really recommend to use those. Yeah. The selling point for all this for me is, well, I care about censorship, but the I don't want my data aggregate, aggregated by all the big tech companies and then sold. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about a, a particular individual hunting me down. I just hate the fact that if I look up something political in New York, I'll get a completely different answer. And then I'll, that'll contribute 
to whatever data is fed to Google that accelerates that problem further. So I, the way I look at Mysterium is when your data is getting bundled up with a bunch of other people's and being used to change the underpinnings of everything you find on the in internet, the way information travels. No, it's not only Google. Like, as I mentioned, before, not only Google. No. You're using centralized VPN, and that VPN is collecting secretly logs. <laughs> don't have good audits open. And I know that there are many uh, VPNs who don't really co collect logs. And we have a couple of people from different VPN companies in our team. Uh, so some of them sharing different information, but I know that there are who on technical level don't have logs because that was just less problems for them. But there are a lot of leaks and those VPN companies has much more information about you than your ISP. Because your mobile phone is using a different ISP than your uh, computer, especially if you're going from work to home, from home to cafes. So they still had less information than your VPN, especially if you all the time via VPN. Yeah, that's another scary thought. Um, <laughs> All right, Yaro, uh, you've been on a while. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And I think we covered a lot of, of MIS 2.0 and mainnet topics. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we split? I think that it would be nice if people could add their own questions we should cover in these podcasts uh, in the future in comments. Uh, this podcast will be Post it yeah, it'll be on YouTube. Yeah, everyone leave a comment with all your questions. We'll get, it's early in the podcast. We'll get to them. Definitely. Yeah. Thank with, you very much for having Yeah, me. with that, Yoro. Thank you. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for watching.